This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Mike White, and I am I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic via genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com, more of our podcasts at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. And you can also fi- find us on Letterboxd at Obsessive Viewer, Obsessive Tiny, and I am Mike White. And finally, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer at the minimum rate of $1 per month for exclusive audio content recorded specifically for Patreon supporters. And uh, yeah, so I'm your aforementioned host, Matt Hurt, and with me today is Mike White. Hi, Hi I'm here. Hey, how's here. it going? I've been looking forward to this one oh, uh, me too. for a while. Yep. I, told, I, I promised that I'd be back. Mm-hmm. For a couple, and then I had my nose surgery. Yes, and I think we planned to record like the Thursday after my surgery, mm-hmm. and it was not happening that day. Yeah, what were and we going to record that week? I don't. Do you remember? I don't even remember. Huh? I, I think we were just going to wing it. I, I, yeah. I think by like Tuesday, I was like, dude, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, but you're here and it's great, and you can uh, breathe now, so that's awesome. Um, I can, yeah, yeah, both nostrils. Nice. Uh, how was the recovery? It's good, longer than I thought. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, like, I don't know how much information you want, but yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so two. The worst day, I'll tell you, the two worst days were um, uh, the day I ran out of the pills. Funny mm. enough, so I've mentioned many times on this podcast, I'm a teetotaler. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't do. I don't do drugs, so like right. I'm new to anything that's, you know, they gave me very strong yeah. pain medication, the the type that people frequently abuse, mm-hmm. uh, and I used it as recommended because yeah. I my nose was bleeding for five mm-hmm. days straight. I, I had to, and when I ran out, um, so that Sunday was Father's Day, mm-hmm. and I am certain i went through withdrawals it felt oh, like i had really? flu i was like shivering wow i it was like it hurt in a whole huh. new way i was like what is happening to me i like napped three times on the couch it was just it was Jeez. bad and then the next wow. day monday or tuesday i guess um i went back and he he pulled this the scabs out oh and they were like See, people don't want to know this stuff. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll okay. Anyway, no, 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 go ahead. It was fine. really gross. So okay. recovery's fine. Okay, you're I'm, fine I'm now. Good. I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> I'm fine. We're good. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that about the the pain medicine because back when I was when it was twenty it was twenty thirteen I think or early twenty fourteen when I had my gallbladder taken out. Like I, I've I've never done drugs or anything. I've I've drank and everything, but I not like anything uh-huh. too hard or anything. But like when I was on my pain medicine for that, like I had like an experience where I got up to go to the bathroom and then came back and like, like it was like a few days after my surgery. And it was like, I mean, the pain was just excruciating and I had taken like my pain pills, the suggested dosage and everything. And then like 
I had taken that and then got up to go to the bathroom. And then when I was walking back to my bed, like I felt myself start to black out. Like, com- oh, yeah. Like almost completely lose consciousness. Like I almost fell onto the bed and blacked out entirely. Um, oh, yeah. And it's just, like, yeah, my wife shit. said I was different. Yeah. I would, like, she would come in and I would be like, I'm just mellow. Oh, wow. I would keep saying that I'm mellow. You're no. She's like, hi. hi- I'm mellow. Mellow. Like, okay. Like mellow. Okay. She's like, yeah. how are you feeling? I was like, I'm mellow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, it's not yeah. funny. Drugs are stupid. Yeah. I, well, I'm glad that you're- Can I, can I change the subject abruptly? This is kind of fun. Oh, yeah. I was actually going to ask you, like, what movies okay. you've watched, like, while you were re- in recovery, but- Oh, well, yeah. You can talk about that fun. or not. Yeah. No, that's more, that's more pertinent, I think. Okay. Um, so many, I watched so many, three, mm-hmm. three movies a day. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, I really got, I really went hard on my, my list titled mm-hmm. movies I haven't watched in a minute, but deserve a rewatch soon. Nice. And so basically these are movies that, you know, the bulk of them come from before, uh, I started keeping track. Mm-hmm. Um, I started keeping track in September of 2008 of every movie I watched. So a lot of them came from before that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the rest kind of came from like early movie night viewings that I just hadn't, I hadn't rewatched like digital copies of Mm -hmm. like Logan that I just never got around to watching at home, that sort of thing. Okay. So I watched, I'll go through this just, just super quickly because I think it'll be, um, interesting. Mm hmm. So I watched, uh, I got home from surgery and I watched Upgrade, Hostage with Bruce Willis, mm. Green Room, Inglorious Bastards, Drive, The Gift, the first two Austin Powers movies, Face Off, Logan, Metallica, Some Kind of Monster, Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg, Inception, Best in Show, Adjustment Bureau, The Wrestler, Misery, The Lake House, The Town, The Founder, Sunshine, Broken Arrow, Paranormal Activity 3, Lucky Number 11, Jackie Brown, Caddyshack, Death Proof for Your Consideration, and Red Belt. That was all in June. Oh, man. That's impressive. Very impressive. That was half of June. Half yeah. of June. Um, the founder makes me think of one of my one of my favorite tweets that I've ever tweeted. Um, was uh, um, you know I really liked parts of the founder, so you might say that it's more of a quarter founder. Um, ah! <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I think that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that movie got overlooked. Oh, really? I think that movie's really, really good, and not a lot of people talk about it. Okay. I, d- it, I think... It didn't really do anything for me, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, man, the most, I loved it. The most interesting thing about it was seeing the process of like how they like perfected the yeah. whole fast food thing, but yeah. that's about it. Yeah. Well, I'm super nostalgic mm-hmm. for everything but yeah. also like for mcdonald's for some reason sure and so just kind of seeing that and i, I don't know i like the 50s and 60s a lot mm-hmm. and um i read uh gumption uh-huh. by nick offerman and i learned you know he's very kind of anti mcdonald's mm-hmm. uh uh and very anti corporate greed mm-hmm. uh specifically in the food industry so yeah. in his book he c- talks a lot about how, how much he uh hates the way mcdonald's does business so okay. seeing him uh play one of the mcdonald brothers oh yeah kind of gave it new meaning huh. to, like the movie definitely i mean there's no doubt that the movie suggests that ray Kroc is the villain of the movie oh, yeah. that, that's obvious but that that um nick offerman 
would be in that movie mm-hmm. says, I think even more, yeah. like not only is Ray Kroc a piece of shit, like McDonald's <laughs> is a piece of shit. Right. Huh. I don't know. I thought, I thought that added a, a, a whole new, uh, dynamic to that. Nice. Um, um entirely. Any other yeah. standouts? Yeah. So uh, some of the ones that really didn't hold up, uh, surprisingly enough are the Christopher Guest movies, the, oh, okay. uh, the, for your consideration, uh, waiting for Guffman, uh, and best in show. Mm-hmm. And they just, um, I liked them when I was in high school. Like I watched them after Spinal Tap. Yeah. Cause I wanted to kind of get that, um, you know, the Christopher Guest oof. And it just like, I was like, oh, this needs a director's touch. Like the Christopher mm. Guest style of comedy needs Rob Reiner to make yeah. a movie like Sp- This is Spinal Tap. Right. And the other, I mean, those performers are great. Mm-hmm. They're so funny. Um, but just the story is so nothing. You're, it's, you're just more impressed by what they can do with the improv than mm-hmm. any kind of like motion picture that you're watching. That's interesting. Cause I'm going to circle back to that. I'm going to, we're, I'm going to, uh, talk to you a little bit about that when we review one of these movies, um, okay. that we're going to review sure, tonight. Sure, sure. So yeah. Um, um it was just, I'll tell you, it was so fun. I might have said this on the last time I was on, but you know, I watched so many bad horror movies. It's yeah. so great to watch movies that I know are going to be good. Mm-hmm. And Glorious Bastards, uh, oh, I yeah. had only seen once. Mm-hmm. It was like a weird time in my life when that came out. I was like graduated from college, uh, like newly single. And like, so yeah. I didn't catch it in theaters. And so I watched it on DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 10 years later, I watched it wow. for only the second time. Yeah, it holds um, up very well. It is, um, it is very, very good. Yeah, better than I remember. Yep. Logan also. Oh yeah, very, very, very good. Amazing. I, I, I think if if the if if the world weren't so saturated with Marvel movies, yeah. I think Logan would be appreciated more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, I just want to talk about how much I love Metallica, some kind of monster. I think okay. that, I think that movie's so great. Nice. The worst of the bunch <laughs> is uh, Rockstar. Mark oh Robert. yeah. Hmm. Homophobia, transphobia, oh, yeah. stupid story, just Jeez. ugh, ugh. Yeah. I felt dirty watching it. Ugh. Sounds like it's like watching an episode of Friends, am I right, 2020? Hey, cancel <laughs> Friends, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's awesome. I'm really uh, excited for you to um, get kind of close to beating me this year in terms of numbers. <laughs> oh, stop it. I, it's happening this year. <laughs> Oh, that's, we'll see. Um, so, so I wanted to, what I was going to say oh, yeah. before, um, is like, as we started this podcast, like as we were doing our introductions, my mm-hmm. brother texted me, you'll like this. Okay. He goes, uh, you know, he likes movies, but he's not, he's not an obsessive viewer. Mm-hmm. He goes, Mike, what's a meat cute? Oh, <laughs> isn't that a fun text? That to is receive? a very fun text. Um, wow. That's, that's- I said, it's a film criticism term for when the two romantic leads in the movie meet for the first time mm-hmm. and they're cute. Yeah. And then I said, there's a really hilarious scene in 22 Jump Street yes. where they make fun of that. <laughs> and I said, it's a trope. And he goes, what's a trope? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, Kevin was a guest on the podcast. Um, he was, yeah. A couple of times. Um, I think he did one or two. I knew he did, I know he did a Summer of Sandler episode with he us. He did. We recorded one of those in his apartment. 
That's right. On location. Yep. That's right. And then another one, another one, he came, was it him? Came over to where like me, when me and Tiny recorded in my brother's house and he came over and that was the day that Robin Williams died. Um, and he broke the news when he came over. I think it was him. My brother? I don't I want to say so. it was. I'm pretty sure I was home when Robin Williams died. Let's see. Um, yeah. Uh, vamping. It's hard to say, really. Uh, it was August of 2014, so that would have been around Sandler. Maybe. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I do yeah. not. But, yeah, so that is something. (laughs) But, so today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing two new releases, um, which we've gotten into kind of a groove where, um, I don't know if it's because of COVID or if it's because of just, like, the world or whatever, but recently we've just been, like recording like two re- two reviews per episode and i'm kind of liking that structure like yeah, that's kind of a cool format i yeah, like that like you and i did um becky and oh uh scream queen um yes. and then ben and i did the king of staten island and the vast of night um did you see the vast of night no okay i have not yet i i recommend it um uh it's really cool uh science fiction um science fiction movie um yeah hang on uh okay um is this <laughs> um okay summer of sandler 3 with mike's brother um Oh, yep. Uh, word about the passing of Robin Williams. So, yes, it was him. Uh, yeah, episode 68 of the podcast. Um, okay. But he must have been at my house. Maybe. Because the only time I ever recorded at your brother's house was with Robbie, and we did the Pixar episode. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, okay, okay, yes. You were at home, but he was in Indy. Oh, my brother came to visit you. Yes, yes. Weird. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yep. Um, so <laughs> now that we've got that out of the way, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but yeah, we're going to be reviewing two movies today. Uh, tonight we're going to be reviewing Relic and The Rental. Um, but first, I have a couple of like news uh, items to get through and everything. Um, Mike, I was going to ask you about COVID and all that, but let's just not wor- like fuck it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the world is crazy, so let's, uh, try to distract people from it for at least an hour and a half. Um, so. Happy times. Happy times instead. And speaking of happy times, it was announced, we're recording this July 15th, um, and it's Mm going to be released on the 24th to, because of Mm -hmm. the movie we're reviewing. But like a day or two ago, um, (laughs) Scream Factory announced the Friday the 13th Blu-ray collection. And yes. the pod chat went crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Mike, you're a huge fan of Friday the 13th, the franchise. Yeah. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, you prefer it over Halloween? Even? Yes, absolutely. That is, yes, yes, yes. That is still no just baffling to me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, not well, because of you quality. Want, do you want me to kind of hit that again? Um, In a brief, in a brief okay. way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I I think um 
not no single one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies comes close to how great the first Halloween is. Nice. And I think I think if you put all of the Friday the Thirteenth movies together, I don't think they're as good as the first Halloween mm-hmm. is. I mean, I the first Halloween is one of my two favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. It, it's untouchable. But yeah, as a franchise, I I'll I'll say this all day. I think Halloween is a is a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think people like debate which ones are the worst ones. That's a crazy thing to debate. You know that there's yeah. a that there's enough bad ones that people like people are vehemently like no, it's 5. No, mm-hmm. it's 6. No, it's resurrection. Uh, that's that's so bad. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think any of the Friday the 13th movies come close to that bad. Okay. So yeah, really as um you know, the Friday the 13th series is a bag of Skittles. It's like, you kn- they're, they're all pretty similar. You have favorites. You okay. have ones you don't like as much, and they're just so much fun to come back to. I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with the Friday the 13th franchise. Nice. And let me ask you this question. As someone who is not as well-versed in the Friday the 13th franchise as a franchise, as I am with Halloween or other sure. franchises, um, compared to Halloween... Does Friday the 13th have any semblance of a continuity to it? Or is it similar to like Halloween or, or Nightmare on Elm Street where it's kind of all a jumbled mess? Um, I would say, uh, yeah, uh, Halloween is a mess. Halloween, yeah. There is no continuity. In right. fact, there are four different continuities. Yeah. Um, and they're really bad about maintaining continuity, mm. even in the ones that are supposed to have continuity. Yeah. Um, so there are some glaring mistakes and omissions in the Friday the 13th series, mm-hmm. but yeah, for the first eight, um, they attempt continuity. Absolutely. Nice. Um, there are a couple of minuscule, um, uh, retcons I- intentional or not, mm-hmm. but for the most part, yeah. I mean, especially the first four take place over a span of a couple of days intentionally. Okay. So, huh? Nice. There's, there's, there's the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, four, five, and six, where the Mm -hmm. same character, uh, carries through. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's a continuity. Nice. That makes me pretty, cause honestly, I, I get paid next week and (laughs) I might pre-order it. I, I might. Man, it's, it's so, it's so essential. (laughs) Yeah. Let's, let's, so tell, explain to our listeners why this is a big deal or why you're excited about this particular set. Okay. Well, for so many reasons. There, there are, there are Blu-ray collections you can get. Um, so the first ever collected, uh, package you could get of Friday the 13th was the DVD, the From Crystal Lake to Manhattan DVD set. Mm-hmm. And it was only the first eight movies, uh, Crystal Lake number one through Manhattan which is part eight. Uh, and they did that because those were the ones that Paramount owned before the rights were sold off to new line cinema, Mm -hmm. um, for Jason goes to hell. And so it was weird to have a collection that didn't have all of those. And then, so they released singular DVDs and then there were, uh, other Blu-rays and then they released Blu-rays, but, um, the, they, there was another Blu-ray collection that collected all of them, but mm. it was actually just 
um, the the DVD quality put on the Blu-ray. Oh. Thing. I don't think that they were new transfers. Oh god! So there was really uh, nothing special except for yeah. that natural punch up you get from mm-hmm. watching, you know, on a, on a Blu-ray player. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it just wasn't the same. So this is Shout Factory slash Scream Factory, mm-hmm. who it really. I mean, they have a whole team that cares about the 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 special features that are included mm-hmm. uh, in these sets. Which side note is like a lost art now with Blu-rays yeah. and DVDs. Oh yeah. Anyway. So much like the Halloween set that came out in what was that like 2014? Uh, um, yes, 2014. It was yeah. definitely 2014. Yep. This is all 12 movies, including the New Line movies and Freddy vs. Jason and the remake. God, that's awesome. On 16 discs, which includes <laughs> 4K transfers of mm-hmm. the first four movies. I'm not even reading this. This is just oh, yeah. because I've already memorized the press release. <laughs> uh, 4K transfers of the first movies. Part three is on Real D 3D. So, okay. like, if you have a 3D television, which my brother does, <laughs> you can watch the the 3D in Real D. Now, I have the Jeez. DVD mm-hmm. of of Friday Thirteenth Part Three, but it's in the red. It's got the red 3D glasses. Oh and it's, yeah, it's it's unwatchable. So this has the Real D 3D. Wow. It has um the unrated cut of Jason Goes to Hell, ne- never uh never before released on on uh, on uh, Blu-ray before. Mm-hmm. Uh, unreleased it has both cuts of the uh remake <clears throat> and it has new documentaries new features new commentaries uh, by filmmakers by actors mm-hmm. um i mean it, it's just it's the it's a friday the 13th fans dream that's awesome yeah um so i'm <laughs> uh, like 16 discs and each one each movie has its own um case mm-hmm. kind of like the halloween one you know like a lot of blu-ray collections are like in a box and it, it kind of yeah. opens and has windows and whatever this each has its own and each case mm-hmm. each like box has the original poster art rather That's than so like cool. the ugly like the 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 fairly recent new uh new dvd of the first one has like jason on the cover mm-hmm. and it you know it's like the most common horror trivia to know that jason is not even in the first movie right. save for but that scene where he's a boy at the end yeah uh, and so this takes the actual poster art and puts mm-hmm. it on the discs and the covers yeah man oh i'm and like excited thinking about it so i <laughs> so i just i just looked up so i think i'm gonna pre-order it if i can because yeah. i've got some bills to pay but i think yeah. i should be able to swing it um, <laughs> I was going to suggest this, but I just looked it up and it's, it's probably not feasible, but so it comes out October 13th and then November 13th, which is your birthday happens to it's fall a Friday on Friday. The 13th. Yeah. Which I was thinking how cool, like, I don't think we would have the time to do this in this short of a time frame, but it would be awesome to just like dig into this set between October 13th and then and like release our, like us just geeking out over it. Yeah. And release that episode on November 13th on your oh, birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, here's what I'm, here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I, and mm-hmm. I want to do something. And if you want to do something, I'm totally in. The oh, yeah. only thing I'm thinking is, um, I, I already have my 
my Shocktober planned. Oh yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? My mm-hmm. my my next thirty of the top one hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually considering. I can't believe it because I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy this thing. I'm actually considering waiting until November to dig into this thing. Okay, and yeah, I'm considering waiting till my birthday. Would you mm-hmm. be interested in like coming down and watching like the first four with me? Oh man, oh that would be interesting. Would that be cool? Oh fuck yeah. Yes. Okay. Let me, yeah, we'll talk more when it gets closer, but man, I am totally down for that because I have not been down to visit you in a very long time. It, yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We'll have to work out the logistics, but. Yeah. Either or way. Maybe like we watch one on our own and then <laughs> we watch two through six or something sure. like that. Yeah, you're the expert, so. You know, you're, you can curate my viewing of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you gotta, it's not, it's not like Star Wars or anything. Mm-hmm. You just gotta watch them all in order. There's yeah. No, there's no like best way to watch it. Right. But like, <laughs> I don't know. One is so different. Mm-hmm. I think two is like the best, is the most well made. Okay. Isn't four like your favorite? Four is my favorite. Yes. Okay. Okay. And six is probably a close second. Okay. I would go, I'm kind of jumping the gun here on, on the episode, but (laughs) I would go four, six, two, maybe five, (laughs) one, three, seven, eight of the first eight. Okay. And the new line ones, that's a different category. Okay. Is Jason X a new line one? It's, it is, yeah. Okay, I did not like Jason X. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh man, this, it like knows that it's funny. Mm. And then I watched it again afterwards, and it's like, yeah, but it's not that funny. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, there's a, there's a, there's a line where, like, one of the guys, Jason, like, throws one of the guys on, t- uh, on a drill. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he like goes down the drill, like he screws onto the thing. Okay. And like they're like, "Hey, where's Johnson?" And the guy's like, "He's screwed." Like oh. making a joke. Like th- first of all, that's a bad joke. Yeah. But like to make the joke for us, even <laughs> though nobody would actually say that if right. a guy died. Yeah. Like nobody would say that. Mm-hmm. That's not. That's not like even a time to make a joke right in a movie that's not <sighs> i don't i don't know it's a terrible movie yeah um but yeah we'll figure it out we'll i'll i'll try to make it down there and we'll figure that out but we'll definitely have to do like an episode even if it's months later where we're just digging into the entire set we'll have to do like totally. an episode about that oh totally um, i can't wait i can't wait to watch the reboot probably mm-hmm. my my <laughs> my best brush with fame was the <laughs> My article on the reboot that was published on Bloody Disgusting. Yes. Right. And like the writers of the film and Mm -hmm. Derek Mears like retweeted it and thanked me. That was God, that's so cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That was really cool. Nice. Um speaking of Bloody Disgusting, uh John Squires. He's from Bloody Disgusting, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Editor. So I uh, to kind of switch gears a little bit, we'll we'll talk more about Friday the thirteenth in the months to come. Um So there was a tweet that I saw. So we're, again, we're recording this July 15th and there was a tweet that said, and we're, we're diving a little bit into COVID talk. So, 
Hopefully that's okay. But uh, be aware, this is the tweet, be aware that the Days of the Dead convention in Indianapolis, which is still on for this weekend, has a lot mm-hmm. of guests canceling. The con has made no announcement about them, and they're still listed on the website. A-plus operation all the way. <laughs> and then to wrap well, it up. Well, he's being the, sarcastic about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, about yeah. the A plus operations, yes, uh, yes. Yo, yeah, totally. Um, and then John Squires replied, uh, "What? There's a horror convention happening this weekend." Um, yeah. And yeah, so uh, have you kept up on this, or have you? Is this crossed your no, radar? I I okay. saw that tweet uh, mm-hmm. actually just uh, whatever an hour and uh, ago, two hours ago, mm-hmm. uh, when I was upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, we were going to mention this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. um uh, <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did. I had no idea. That is bonkers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that's still happening. And like, there's conjecture that okay, well, maybe they couldn't cancel it because the venue was going to have to chart. Like, they were going to have to pay a a buttload to the venue for it. But also, it's like, sure, that's. I mean, I understand that, but also, don't have it. Like. I don't, yeah, well, granted, I can't. That's bad form. Yeah. Like, even then, like, I mean, ugh, I, like, like, uh, PopCon just had a virtual convention. So, like, they did all their, like, um, their, um, uh, um, panels and stuff online with Zoom calls. And they did, like, uh, they started, they did a film festival thing all virtual online. And, like, just do that instead. It, like, it just, Ugh. Yeah, that is incredibly irresponsible. Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. Ugh. Yep. Yep. That sucks because I like <laughs> Days of the Dead. I've been to a too. couple Days of the Dead. Yeah, I've been, and it's always really well organized and yeah. impressive, and that sucks. Yeah, I mean, and I think in term with my experience with just horror conventions, like it's I'm not as experienced as you, of course, but. Like, and this goes back to what we said when we were talking about Scream Queen, uh, last time you were on. But like, just the horror community is just so welcoming and, and accepting and friendly mm-hmm. that yep. it's just, this is, this is something that I did not expect out of, you know, that community. Not that it's indicative of the entire community, but like, totally. I would have thought yeah. that the organizers would have had more sense than that. Um, I agree. Yeah. I, yeah I'm surprised. I'm yeah. Surprised. And I saw a tweet that, uh, someone said that, oh, I can't remember who the guest was, but there, there's like a guest on the roster that's in his nineties. And it's like, and they still have him listed as being like there. And it's just like, wh- like what, like what the fuck? Yeah. Um, oh my God. That's yeah. awful. Yep. So I just wanted to highlight that, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Sucks. Yeah. Embarrassing. Yeah. Totally. Um, hopefully they come to their senses in the next 48 hours. Um, from this recording. Yeah. So, and hopefully, you know, people don't go or hopefully it's something, I don't know. Hopefully it's, Ugh. yeah. I know. We'll yeah. See. It's all a nightmare, uh, hellscape. So it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. should we move on to our reviews? Do you have any, um, uh, any, any other topics to, to kick around before our reviews? No. Let's get to okay. it. I, I mean, I could Sweet. talk about stuff all day, but I feel like yeah. we've been, we've been teasing. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, we're going to review two movies, Relic and The Rental. Um, first up, I think we're going to review Relic. Is that cool with you? 
Sure. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Cool. So, uh, yeah, we'll go ahead, go right into our review of Relic. Of course, we're going to do a non-spoiler and then a spoiler review. So, yeah, um, we're going to go into our non-spoiler review for Relic. Uh, Relic, uh, the, is an R-rated movie. Um, <laughs> that, uh, is the plot summary is a daughter, mother, and grandmother are haunted by a manifestation of dementia that consumes their family's home. Uh, this movie stars Emily Mortimer. Uh, Robin Nevin and Bella Heathcote and is directed and written, co-written by Natalie Erica James. This is her directorial debut and it was co-written by Christian White. So Mike, uh, Relic, this has been, I don't know, maybe you can shed some light on this if you know, but I know that out of like, I don't know what festival it was, maybe, maybe Fantastic Fest or something, but there was a lot of buzz surrounding this movie and mm-hmm. people seem to really love it. So in kind of broad terms, how did you, what were your expectations for it and how did you feel about it overall in kind of broad terms? <laughs> yeah. Broad term. Um, I don't know. First of all, let's uh, shout out to Emily Mortimer who played mm-hmm. Sydney Prescott in stab three. Oh yes, that's right. Right. Oh yeah. 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 Jeez. Um, anyway, I, I, Oh man, how do I, I would say it has been kind of on the bubble of my radar. I'm really, I'm really struck by this no theaters situation. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I I have always drawn a pretty hard line between movies that come to the theater and the movies that don't in okay. terms of what like are really the prestige things that are must see. Yeah. Now, by all means, I have, I see the great ones on VOD later. Mm-hmm. If, if it's a must see, I eventually, uh, do my best to seek it out. And, yeah. and I'm usually pleasantly surprised, uh, by, by the things that are, you know, kind of on the fringes. So, but, but to, uh, to address your question specifically on my radar, it's just not if, if it's not in theaters. Okay. You know, we, we do our movie nights and then without theaters completely, I'm just not, you know, um, I have heard of it. I know of Emily Mortimer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really, there's like some really impressive, like prestige horror coming out of Australia, which oh, is yeah. kind of interesting. So I kind of was into that. Um, but in terms of just like being excited for it, I had no expectations. Okay. Um, I will say, like, I, I think we're going to try our, to do our best in this, not to compare the two movies, because mm-hmm. I, I don't think that really does any good. They, yeah. they have nothing to do with each other. Right. Except, except that they're both IFC <laughs> movies. Yeah. They're both IFC. They both primarily take place in, in a house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one location. Genre. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> but that's so easy to do. So let's just make sure that we don't both directorial um, debuts <laughs> yeah right Ex- i know <laughs> i know maybe maybe we should compare it no let's anyway. let's not let's not <laughs> no no, no. It, that's too easy to do yeah uh but my point is you know ifc um is kind of really latching onto this prestige horror mm-hmm. thing and if that's a phrase people don't know prestige horror is just kind of the the um modern horror mm-hmm. really kind of brought on post co- the conjuring where yeah. these these um people are kind of recognizing horror as great filmmaking mm-hmm. beyond um, you know, I think Hereditary is one of those prestige yeah. horror. I think one of the early prestige horror movies was The Babadook. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, not a huge theatrical release, mm-hmm. but 
really caught on later. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, another Australian one is mm-hmm. Goodnight Mommy. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> right? Um, so a lot of those, and, and then I think the the biggest, obviously the biggest of all is Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of comes, I'm kind of getting in maybe to my review a little bit here, but um, is the prestige horror bubble about to pop? Ooh, well, let me answer that by uh, by by saying that you say prestige horror, but I, I consider it to be elevated thriller. Um, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Fuck you. Get out of here. <laughs> um, Mike White has left the chat. <laughs> I I had to do it. Um, I know. I know. So, I know. I know. Um, and that's, that's interesting. Maybe um, I don't necessarily seek out as much horror as you do obviously and i do see a, a fair amount of like the prestige horror movies and like the kind of bigger named ones and everything so i mean toward the end of the year i don't know where either of these movies to be frank is going to land in terms of like the conversation around like the horror spotlight. to be franco <laughs> to be franco <laughs> nice um i don't know where it's going to land where either of these are going to land because it seems like I think when uh, my perspective of like when we say like prestige horror and everything and like it's more like mainstream conversation, like the horror community or the horror uh, genre bleeding into no pun intended bleeding into um, right, 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 the right, mainstream. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if either of these movies necessarily have the legs to do that this year, but um, I, and I, by extension, I don't know if that is indicative of any potential bubble bursting or yeah is covid yeah. a factor like maybe how do we how do we attribute or how do we factor for the fact that maybe this movie would have been in theaters that's a good question because and then and then another question i have <laughs> is how much mainstream are we talking so like like get out was a cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. um but did the mainstream watch The Witch? Um, mainstream didn't watch Babadook. Now I'm yeah. not saying I, like I found some gem that like normies didn't right. see. <laughs> right. a, a, a shit ton of people saw Babadook. That, yeah, that's not that's nobody's little secret. Right. But you know what I mean by the yeah. mainstream. I think that there is like a gradual rise in that. So like if I'm I'm would theorize that you could probably chart like the cultural like mainstream relevance of the babadook and like say that okay the witch is probably a slight increase over the babadook and then like get out was kind of the watershed moment of that so now uh-huh. like we won't get we won't get get out levels of just mainstream appeal of horror movies <laughs> mainstream a jordan peel of horror movies but... no, 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 no. we're bad <laughs> i know um i'm very proud of get that. us off here get, <laughs> get us off the mic but i don't know what will come out that would reach that level but i think we're on a decline just because get out was so huge and yeah. us kind of also had that effect but i think that's more just you know but also you have to consider like uh midsummer hereditary the lighthouse was a big one too yeah. um so yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe these just aren't movies that would have been. Um, I know. Yeah. I know. Like, where would this sit at the end of the year? If you look at the ones that made it to theaters, mm-hmm. I'm fuck. Nothing made it to theater. Brahms <laughs> and yeah. the lodge. Right. Yeah. But like if antlers had come out. Oh yeah. If a Quiet place two had come out. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, what's the other one? Oh. There's like St. Maud. Oh, if yeah. those had come out in theaters and this one didn't, would people be talking about Relic the way, the way I, like I'm reading on Bloody Disgusting and in message boards and stuff? I really don't know. I, I, to be honest, I will take the cynical side and say, I don't think they would. Um, and maybe, and I'm going to jump the gun a little bit and say mm-hmm. with the rental, absolutely not. Oh, we'll yeah. get there when we we'll, get there. We'll definitely get there. Okay. Um, but yeah, and maybe we should let let's go ahead and talk in more depth about Relic because Relic. Okay. I I saw a lot of like reactions from critics on like Letterbox and on the internet on like social media saying that this was like a great movie that they were very taken with and it wasn't anything like get out level but it was like they had there's there's this groundswell of support for it and respect yeah. for it and when watching it kind of in broad terms i i felt some of that like what i really appreciated about the movie is how it handles that um family dynamic and the yeah. the kind of mental strain of taking care of an ailing uh, relative who is her, who her mental faculties are what's, what's ailing and what's, what's failing her and everything. And like that and the kind of like the slow burn aspect of that, like slowly leading to like the, I, I wrote a review on the website of it. And in that review, I mentioned that this movie does what other movies struggle to do with mental, like, like neurological disorders and like, like dementia and stuff. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The comparison I make is with uh, Shyamalan's The Visit. Uh, the Visit is... I didn't like it. Um, right. And yeah. I felt like that movie is like, okay, it's just old people are scary because young people don't understand them. And like yes. these mental... Like, the like I don't want to say mental illnesses, but these neurological disorders and these these illnesses are scary to young kids. And that's used as a that's used as a plot device for the like tension in a, in a, in just a standard horror and thriller way. Whereas relic takes this depiction of, of this woman with, with dementia and, and other like disorders, presumably, and uses that to create the tension in a natural way. That's the, that's the family dynamics tension, like her forgetting yes, things. And then, yes. yeah. And there's a moment yeah. If I, if I, if I could kind of, um, expand on your, and your argument and really compare it to the visit, which I also didn't like, um, man, that's a really good observation that Mm -hmm. it's told from the perspective. I mean, the story is told from the perspective of children. Yeah. Right. Old people are scary. Right. There's a scene, uh, there's a scene kind of at the end of the second act where, where, uh, the grandmother is found alone and she says to her daughter, where is everyone? Where is everyone? Mm-hmm. And that's the exact opposite of the visit because the, the, yeah. the fear, the tension is with her. Not only does, not only is it terrifying to see an old people, uh, old person go through that, but mm-hmm. to be the old person 
yes. who feels like she's lost everything. Mm-hmm. And then the rot that it causes on that family. I mm-hmm. also think that there's plenty that this family has gone through that we don't see, right? Mm-hmm. That happens that happens before the movie. Yep. And I, I think that's an intentional artistic choice. If I have a criticism to make about the first half, is that mm-hmm. I think we could have used some more of that stuff. Yeah. I, I would have I think liked... The, Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, I would have liked to, to delve a little bit deeper in that because this is a type of movie, like this type of storytelling in this genre is something that I'm like a newfound like lover of. Like, yeah, it's something that I really loved about Hereditary. It's something that I, I refer to as just emotional horror. Like it's sympathetic, empathetic horror that puts you into a, um, an uncontrollable personal emotional state that the character is in and that's something that i was really into in the first half first two-thirds of this movie and then we'll talk about the rest but uh but yeah i think that this operates on a level that's not as refined as in terms of the emotional horror as like hereditary or even the first 10 minutes of um of of midsummer but it's still pretty effective in that first two the first two acts well, I think it's so, it's kind of the low hanging fruit to, to compare it to hereditary. Totally. But I don't want to discredit that completely because right. I definitely think it shares a DNA. Mm-hmm. Right? I, de- I, I, <laughs> I mean, I definitely think Natalie Erica James saw hereditary and, and it, it wants to do her version mm-hmm. of what, a, what a family goes through, right? Yeah. That, that dementia is hereditary and what mm-hmm. it does to the, to the home. Uh, you know, literally and figuratively, right? Yeah. My- mystically and, fig- you know. Whatever. Right, right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so to talk about the first half, I, I love that stuff too. Um, except there is part of me, and I guess just, just, you can call me a Philistine. Mm-hmm. I don't love a slow burn. Oh, I, interesting. I, okay. I, I want to believe that I do. I, I want to believe that, you know, I'm, I'm this champion of, of uh slow burn um you know prestige horror that really mm-hmm. takes its time but man i i i struggled a little bit and and i don't know i think part of it was emily mortimer's not her performance but the way she was written mm-hmm. is so unlikable yeah. You start with her. I didn't really find a way into the movie because i didn't find a way in with her mm-hmm. and i think We'll talk about the ending when we get into spoilers, yeah. but um, it's weird to me that for most of the movie, I think she's shot that way as the villain of the movie. There, yeah. She has these dark eyes, and there's there's scenes in the darkness where she's walking, and she has this pale, you know, this pale Londoner's face, right? Mm-hmm. Like this English face. Yeah. <laughs> with just these black eyes. And I'm like, man, is she... Is she haunted? Huh. And I like looked closer to my screen and it wasn't like a special effect. It wasn't doing a, a haunting scene. Mm-hmm. She just, she is shot in this way that's like, oh, she has been ignoring her mother. Yeah. You know, she hasn't told her daughter about some things. So it was just a weird way, uh, into the movie for me. And then it just kind of took its time with some shots and, and it, and it, I admittedly, Maybe I watch too many comic book movies, but <laughs> I struggle with this. I struggle with the slow shots in the beginning. That 
is so interesting because I am the opposite. I was really taken with those, like that slow moving, that slow pace of the first two thirds. And then when the tension reaches, like when it gets to that more conventional uh, horror movie kind of uh, showcase uh, at the bit, like the big finale of the movie, I was just like, okay. Um, like I was pretty unaffected by it, honestly. Um, I did read your review of that, and I and I kind of oh, feel the opposite. Nice, nice. Now I'm 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 really speaking only of the filmmaking. Okay. Um, of the story itself, mm-hmm. I, I think it's really well done. That first okay. half. Yeah. Um, I'm entertained. I think the, I think the um, the grandmother and the granddaughter relationship mm-hmm. is is well constructed. I get I there's just something I don't like about the the mom character, the mm-hmm. daughter character. Well, Mom yeah, and daughter Emily Mortimer's character. She does. Um, she she makes choices kind of that kind of usher in that that third act a little bit that is un, unlikable. Like she makes it's and it's not presented as like this tough decision. It's like she's passing the buck kind of decision. Yeah. Um, and it's it's something I, that creates a strain. Yeah. Um. I think the movie needed that second half. I mean. It's a horror movie, mm. so they they had to, to to do that. Yeah, but like for it to feel um, worthwhile to me, it needs the second half because for the first half, my note says is dementia equals scary enough of a theme. Mm. Like, does this movie just have one theme? And I think by the end of it, it doesn't. I think right. I think the I think the last thirty minutes or so offers some more things. Mm-hmm. But that first is like art. Slow shots mm-hmm. and dementia equals scary, which yeah. I just wasn't into for a little while. That's interesting. Like it, one of the things that is surprises me with, with how kind of lukewarm I was on the movie as a whole is that the subject matter is something that is like, I've said it before on the podcast. Like one of my like deepest fears is the idea of dementia or some kind of illness, like in, in old age or whenever that like, if I were to suffer from it, like it's like, it's something like where you lose like knowledge of yourself and, and who like awareness and everything like that is one of my deep seated fears in life. And like seeing it depicted in anything is something that I will graft onto and I will be emotionally kind of hooked into and affected by. And I got some of that with this, but, and I felt like it did a pretty solid job of that, but I think it was more about just the family dynamic that I latched onto. And I think that is both to the credit of the the film for depicting the family dynamics, but also kind of in a weird way on on the other side of the coin, a kind of an issue. Because, I mean, I'm kind of, uh, with this subject matter, I'm kind of an easy target to, to really get wrapped up into it and get really involved with it. And I just, like you said, I, I couldn't find really that much of a road into it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. And then the ending just kind of, I was mixed on. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. You want to turn the spoilers on? Yeah, let's do that. So, um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and go into spoilers for Relic. Um, I'm going to play a clip from the trailer to break it up. So um, if you don't want to be spoiled on Relic, but you want to hear our review of The Rental, go check out the show notes for timestamps um, to skip over the spoiler section for Relic. Those uh, timestamps and those show notes are at obsessiveviewer.com slash OV probably 320. Um, so, yeah, so here's a clip from the trailer. 
Do you know where you were, Mum? I suppose I went out. What's this? I was on the property when your grandfather inherited it. His mind wasn't there in the end. You can't put Gran in a home. She can't live on her own anymore. She has to be watched. Everything all right, Gran? I thought this was where it got in. Who? Whoever it was coming into the house. Mum, what is it? It's here. Under the bed. There's nothing under the bed, Mum. Will you check for me? All right, and spoilers on for Relic. So when the movie shifts to that kind of haunted house, like thriller, scary kind of uh, yeah. a whole thing, yeah. visually, I, I respected the the technique and everything. Like that shot where she's she's breaking into the hallway and she kind of like crawls at them as they're trying to get through yes. the the um, hole above the fireplace, I think. Um, that was really yes. thrilling and everything. But everything around that, I just felt like, I felt like that just felt just really, I don't want to say standard, but it just felt like, okay, this is just turning into kind of a more conventional, like, haunted house kind of movie. And I'm just like, I just, I couldn't really find a road into that. So how did you feel about the big finale of the movie? Uh, as a spook show, I thought it was pretty effective. Mm -hmm. I, it, um, especially when the, the young daughter, I should start using their names. (laughs) When Sam, Mm -hmm. uh, the granddaughter is like climbing through the walls, it reminded Mm -hmm. me of, uh, Mark Danieluski's, um, House of Leaves. Have you ever read House of Leaves? I haven't, but I've, I've wanted to, yeah. It's pretty good. And, and the, the gist, which does not even serve the book justice. The gist <laughs> is that uh, the house measures bigger on the inside than it does on the outside, right? Okay. So there, there are things going on, and there's a a, a, a room that's just blackness, and they go into whatever. Mm-hmm. You just read the book. And uh, so as she's crawling around, and some of the walls are kind of shifting, and there's a, what I thought was a pretty cool shot of where she comes to a hallway, and it's there, and she turns down, and when she comes back, the hallway's gone. Yeah. Um, I, do, I mean, claustrophobia usually works very well on me mm-hmm. in movies, so I thought that was effective. Nice. Um, and then to juxtapose that with the, the grandmother, mm-hmm. Edna, like stabbing herself in the chest. Yeah. You, you get those like, man, I, I think they need to come up with the, the film crit term for that. Cause they're mm-hmm. like, they're not gross out moments, but they're like, oh my God, what did I just see moments? Right. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. disturbing imagery. Think of, uh, you know, Tony Collette sawing her head off. Yes. Uh, Jeez, in, in Hereditary. Yeah. Just those scenes that are like, oh shit. But when she's like stabbing her chest, ah, <laughs> uh, that worked. That worked yeah. for me. So, um, when you go into this movie, not that I'm like arguing with your take, but no, it's no. like you have to take it as this director set out to make a horror movie. So yeah. it's coming. So like it is suggesting to you throughout that this mold, mm-hmm. which man thematically is pretty obvious. Yeah. This, this mold is dementia. The house, the, all of it is mm-hmm. coming to rot and this family is rot. Um, 
when the horror comes to a head, I, I thought it was pretty effective. Mm-hmm. And for me, like I said, I'm a Philistine, the pace picked up. So I was yeah. able to kind of be, you know, I sit up in my chair a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. And I think one of my kind of issues with, uh, or one of the my disconnects with, with that big kind of climactic, uh, as you said, spook show, was that... Uh, by the end of it, when we get the kind of denouement of the movie where it's just this visual, like just disturbing, just peeling of the skin and just like this, like this really strong, what I read of it was a metaphor of just familial obligation and just embracing. Right. Like that was my note as well. Yeah. Like embracing this, this connection and, and like not being able to escape it. Like that felt like, that like that was so big and that that connected so much with the first two thirds of it that it felt like that just crazy like uh thriller horror movie chase sequence through the house just felt like it was just trying to get us to that point like it didn't feel like it was as effectual uh it felt like it was just ineffectual to the entire movie because it was just getting to this point where like i feel like you could excise that from the movie and have a completely different like climax and then still reach the same conclusion that was my kind of that's issue. a really good point mm-hmm. and i think there's even a moment where they finally escape mm-hmm. the 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 edna the grandmother and they're going out the front door and she kind of like pushes sam Emily Mortimer's character pushes Sam mm-hmm. out the door. Yeah. And he's like, Mom, come on. We got a guy. <laughs> and the mom is like, No, I have to stay. She's my mom. <laughs> and <laughs> my my initial reaction was like, No, fuck, get out of the house. Right. And ah oh, man, if you if you if there was another way from for them to get from um, misunderstand from if there's another way from for them to get from the scene where she says where is everyone where is everyone mm-hmm. to that scene where she lays in bed with her mm-hmm. or the scene where she says no I'm gonna stay that's yeah. when that's when she realizes the family obligation mm-hmm. yeah, I think I would buy it more yeah so then what if instead let's even if you didn't like it even if you didn't mm-hmm. buy it that's fine let's maybe give the movie the benefit of the doubt and let's try to think what is the movie trying to say in that scare scene when she's trying to escape from mm-hmm. this deteriorating literally deteriorating now mother in that in that case I'll 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 circle back to that but I wouldn't just touch on the whole thing where where she's like no go I've I've got to stay with my mom um I can't do an accent um that's <laughs> <laughs> okay like that's a pretty powerful and poignant sequence because that's her saying like okay well you go, you're the next generation of this. Like, like I'll stay because like, I can't escape it, but you're my daughter and you can escape this. Like, like this is this naive thing. That's like, okay, this is something that's going to consume our, our lives. Um, and, and this is your chance to get away from it forever. And then when she comes back and everything, that's just, again, that familial obligation, that, that kind of, um, resigning yourself to the truth of what like could be within your, within your body for a later age and everything. And, and that kind of fear, that terror is something that is, like I said, I'm, it's one of my deepest fears. Um, but to kind of go back to, to the big climax and everything. Yeah. I I guess, I I guess that's more like them working through it and trying to escape it themselves. And that's more, I don't know. That's a more, uh, 
uh, more direct kind of uh, depiction of that, I guess. How did you take it? Well, it, yeah, that's kind of what I'm hinting at okay. when, I, when I'm saying let's take that scene and try to figure out thematically mm-hmm. uh, what does it mean, metaphorically what does it mean. And I think it's getting at your fear and mm-hmm. saying, look how fucking scary this is. Yeah. If the thing like, <laughs> you're afraid of, if the skin is peeling off and chasing yeah. after you in this collapsing hallway, mm-hmm. right, where it feels like the walls are closing in on you, it's literally yeah. closing in on you, and you have to break through on the other side, mm-hmm. you have to break through the wall to understand the obligation you have to the thing you were trying to get away from. Mm-hmm. I really think I need to see it again. <laughs> Because uh, I just I do too. Yeah, it's something like I feel like if I see it again, I'll I'll get so much more appreciation out of out of that sequence. I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah, I think most mostly it's I think because I've only seen it once, and seeing it once, going through it, like going through that, I don't think I really picked up on the metaphor of all that, like that, that it's, that it's the, uh, physical representation of the dementia and everything and them trying to escape it. And like those, those visual metaphors throughout it. And then, so when I got to the point where she's peeling the skin and they're laying in bed, like I just, it hit me like, Oh shit, this is, this is the point. This is the thesis statement of the movie. This is the big, this is the connecting thing. And then I just didn't really, uh, see the, see the climax as something that, um, was as, as, as rich with subtext as that final scene was. So it's something yeah. that's a failure on my part as a viewer, I'm sure, but, um, yeah, well, I'm sure that I'll have Let me say that I'm only coming to this now talking to you. Oh, yeah. Cause when, you know, when you said you could excise that scene, mm-hmm. my initial reaction was, oh, yeah. You totally could. And I really, like, I thought for a second, you could paste, where is everyone, where is everyone? Mm-hmm. You couldn't paste it. You'd, you'd have to find a different, more, like, if it was a drama, yeah. there would be a way for her to get to the scene where she's like, no, I've got to stay. That's my right. mother. And instead, they decided to insert a horror movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I worked my way through just now talking to you yeah. and you saying, you know, that's your biggest fear, that that was right. the manifestation of the fear. Mm-hmm. And it's, is it too much? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it, and it's <laughs> something I probably should have, you know, picked up on when watching it because it is right there in the plot description. <laughs> They're haunted by a manifestation <laughs> yeah. of dementia that consumes yeah, their family's yeah, yeah. home. Um, right. Yeah. What were you going to say? Yeah. I was just going to say, is it too much to ask for us to want a little more clarification on like the haunting? I mean, I get that it's a metaphor. But, like, yeah. what does the window have to do with it? What does the cabin have to do? That was another big uh, thing that I didn't connect with either. And I, I yeah. yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Like, the window, the cabin. Uh, the well, grandfather, I guess, who does the drawings? Oh, yeah. I completely spaced that. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, the, I don't think it's too much to ask for more clarification or for them to hit those beats a little bit harder or have them not be as mysterious because that leaves us with questions about what it means. Um, and maybe yeah. it's something that'll be clarified if we watch it again, but also I didn't pick up on it in the, in the, in the main read of it. But then again, yeah. I was also kind of more wrapped up into the drama of everything. Like when, uh, when Sam talks to the neighbor and, uh, she, like, she learns that the reason why, um, 
the the guy doesn't hang out with with her grandmother anymore is because they were playing hide and seek and she forgot and left him in there for hours like that that kind of context and that texture to the story is something that just really breeds that fear within the viewer and within the character and uh, like brings the tension uh, or builds the tension until like you get that scene with the grandmother and Sam where she forgets about the ring and she freaks out and she tries to like physically takes, takes the ring. And yeah, and like that was, I was like, I was really just uh, engrossed by that. Um, but the other things kind of seem superfluous to that. They do. Uh, yeah. Almost, um, you know, I, I always like to give the movie as much benefit of the doubt as possible, but mm-hmm. like, you know, there are things just thrown in for extra creep factor. Yeah. So like, I can, I can wrap my head around the idea that the window, they kept the window from the cabin, mm-hmm. right? So like, somebody probably died from dementia. A great grandparent died from dementia. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we got to tear this house down. It feels like it's haunted because I'm losing my mind. Let's tear it down. And they kept the, the thing because they thought that the house was haunted, mm-hmm. but it turned out that the family was haunted by this disease. Yeah. Um, but why, why are there shadows moving in the walls? Yeah. Why does she say, I don't know. I guess is that I, I, I guess it's just more manifestation of the dementia. Yeah. And, and, and that's fine, but I don't know. It just, it just kind of left me, Left me wanting a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I need a little more. For me mm-hmm. to be blown away, I need a little more um, connective tissue yeah. between the um, the realism, the metaphor, and the magical realism. Yeah. I totally agree with you there. Yep. Right? Yeah. Like that, and that kind of goes to my, my first criticism. It's literally my first note, mm-hmm. is... is is dementia equals scary yeah. uh, enough of a theme? Mm-hmm. Like, is that enough? That one thing enough to build a movie around? Right. You mean just? And the, I think I've talked to my. Yeah, I was just going to say. Do you, you mean just the the metaphor, the metaphor, or the depiction? The of metaphor. It. Yeah. Right. Okay. Is the depiction of the metaphor enough? Mm-hmm. And I've talked myself in this. Uh, one of the reasons I love doing this with you is, <laughs> I, is the way we do this mm-hmm. to really. I think I enjoyed it more, yeah. but. I, I'm with you. It's not, I'm not all the way there because it misses that connective tissue. Why the metaphor? Yeah. Yep. I totally agree. And I think, again, I think that this is something that I'll come to gain a little bit more appreciation of if I want, if I revisit it, having the context of the, of the full movie within that second viewing. Um, but as it stands now, I, I was, I was pretty, I'll say I was I was impressed with it as a as a debut for a new filmmaker. I think that there's stuff there that she seems like she is she has a bright future ahead of her because the it's there's a confidence to that depiction even if we couldn't connect with some of the with some some of the kind of mysterious elements of it or the magical elements of it there's still enough there that I think she's saying something unique and it's something that I I think is coming across uh, like I, I would never have guessed that this was a first time filmmaker or this was a debut feature from from a from a filmmaker. So mm-hmm. it's something that I think I think that uh it's a it's a strong debut even though I couldn't really connect with with it the way that I would hope to. 
Yeah. yeah. And I would say, uh, to sum up, I'll probably definitely watch it next October. I'm excited to see it again. Oh, nice. I think given this hindsight, I, I, I need to mm-hmm. kind of witness the two halves of the movie uh, yeah. again and try to make some sense of some of those outlying creep factors and try to understand a little bit of what they mean. But yeah, man, yeah. you're spot on in terms of first time director mm-hmm. um, and getting certain performances out of people. Yeah. Really. The grandmother was so haunting. Incredible. Uh, the kid was yeah. so believable. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of liked my arc with Emily Mortimer's character thinking, mm-hmm. man, she's such a villain, but yeah, um, I, I, I kind of think that that's super intentional. And I'm, and mm-hmm. I'm, I would really point to that shot where she's got the black, black eyes with the white face where I thought, man, she's shot as a villain, but no, she's actually just experiencing this hereditary disease. Right. Uh, Right. Um, (laughs) This hereditary disease during midsummer. Um, I know. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. But, but I yeah. think it was January. Probably. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the Christmas lights were up. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh yeah, so I'm with you. Really, really mm-hmm. impressive debut. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would put it on like that pedestal mm-hmm. with hereditary. Right. I think it's doing a hereditary thing. Mm-hmm. It shares that DNA. Yeah. Um for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh but pretty pretty good. Uh and I look forward to seeing it again. Yep. Same here. And I think that's our review of relic um yeah yeah. so that's our review of relic uh let us know what you thought uh you know where to find us and everything okay so we're going to go into our review of the rental now um yeah so of course again we're going to do non-spoiler and then spoiler review the rental is the directorial debut of dave franco it was written by dave franco and joe swanberg and it stars allison brie and uh, dan stevens um Toby Huss, Jeremy Allen White, and Sheila Vand. Uh, the plot summary, courtesy of IMDb, is two couples rent a vacation home for what should be a celebratory weekend getaway. So, Mike, I had mentioned to Co- you... A couple of shout-outs. couple of shout-outs. First one to Toby yes. Russ, the strongest man in the world. Oh, my God. Is he from Pete and Pete? He is. Are you serious? He is from Pete and Pete. He's also the father in the, in Halloween 2018. Right. Yeah. Whoa. That just blew my mind a little bit. Huh. Yeah. Oh man. That is, that is incredible. Cause like, cause like I, while I was watching it, I went to his IMDb and I was looking through his, his filmography and I saw Halloween 2018, but like he's been yeah. in so much stuff. I'm just like, I stopped scrolling. I'm yeah. like, I got to go back to watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. Artie. Oh yeah. man. That blows my mind. I thought he did a great job. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, Mike, I had tweeted at you when they, when the trailer for this movie dropped. And yes. I, I actually didn't even watch the trailer. I just saw like, oh, Alison Brie, Dave Franco, uh, directing. I'm like, okay, um, this is right up our alley. Oh, so by the like, way, she calls Davey. I know. I think that that's adorable. All the time. Yeah. It is adorable. Yeah. Um, and I want to mention, we'll get into this in, in the review, but I thought it was really charming that, like, we had both listened to her appearance on, um, Armchair Expert. And, like, yes. we were kind of, we were kind of, uh, fanboying out over just how charming the interview was and everything. And I thought that it was really charming in this movie that they incorporated some of, uh, 
Alison Brie and Davies uh, meet cute, if you will, um, into the plot of the movie, um, into the backstory of one of the couples. So I thought that was kind of cute. But anyway, um, so I had uh, I had pitched the idea of of, uh, of us discussing this movie and reviewing it. So, Mike, how did you feel going into it? And what in broad terms did you feel about the movie overall? Uh, yeah, well, to uh, again, I don't want to compare the two movies, but feeling wise, I was definitely more excited for this one. Same um, here. I, you and I are both really big fans of Alison Brie. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of respect and appreciate Dave Franco, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of because he's associated with Alison Brie, I <laughs> also, you know, wanted him to do well. Yeah. Um, I thought it would be interesting, you know, his film debut mm-hmm. written by, Man, we'll talk about the, we'll talk about the writers and, and yeah. the script and the story by, mm-hmm. um, cause that is a big, uh, focal point of my review. Interesting. Uh, so we'll talk okay. about that. Like yeah. the writing or the and credits themselves? The writing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we'll talk about both, that. both, both. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I don't want to talk about that. So anyway, I was, I was, um, man, I came into it like hoping for the best for mm-hmm. like, friends you know what i mean like people (laughs) like people whose careers i really admire yeah me too um uh and then when i when it was over gosh mostly just disappointment yeah i i was kind of the same way it was something kind of unique and interesting for my viewing of it was that i went into it and as the story is starting to you know kind of unfurl um like everything's being set up and everything I kept thinking that, oh, I'm in a really good position with this movie because I don't know what it's going to be. Like, I did not, I went into it not knowing whether it was going to be a, like, home invasion movie or if it was going to be a supernatural horror movie. Like, I didn't know what to expect. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought, um, maybe they were going to start killing each other. I don't know. I, I was same as you. I, I really knew almost nothing. Yeah. Uh, going in. And the way that it just kind of, that's, it's a slow build toward the, the climax of the movie, kind of similar to, to Relic in a way, and, and pacing to an extent. Um, like the first half. I'd say it's a little, well, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Finish your thought. Um, so like the first half or the first two thirds, like before the shit hits the fan, this is all more character drama and stuff. And I was kind of digging that. Like, I thought it was really like for a while I was sitting there thinking like, Oh, okay, this is, this is kind of like, there's nothing really horror element to it for a, almost a majority of the movie, I would say. And it's more yeah. just like kind of them inferring like tension between, uh, 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 Toby Huss's character in them in the few times that they see him and kind of extrapolating from that. And then there's this, uh, there's this interpersonal conflict that arises. And I thought that that was particularly interesting. And that's kind of where Joe Swanberg, I think, kind of came into play in the screenplay because it kind of felt like one of those like mumblecore, like, uh, dramatic movies. Like it, it reminded me a lot of, um, um, Mm, drinking buddies which i don't know yes. was that was that a joe swanberg movie yes okay and so it reminded yes. me of that which is a movie that i i felt kind of disconnected to but i liked that interpersonal drama so i appreciated that about this movie but they use it as a crutch 
and they use it as a contrivance for like the stuff to come later in the movie and i was just like this it's where it lost me like i was just like this this doesn't make i can't follow the logic of these characters and everything so i don't know so uh yeah (laughs) well you kind of beat me to the punch because that that's you're spot on Mm. uh and and i thought exactly the same thing in fact i didn't know i I knew it was directed by dave franco i and i vaguely remembered that it was written by dave franco Mm -hmm. and until like the movie started and the the opening credits are on there i didn't realize it was joe swanberg and and i was like oh cool Mm -hmm. so this will probably be you know have his voice yeah and um if i could if i could be really brash and get to the criticism Mm -hmm. um this i don't know what connection dave franco and joe swanberg have i know that you know dan stevens is in uh the guest Mm -hmm. which is a mumble gore movie right uh and 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 he's kind of in there um but it felt to me like dave franco watched uh creep and yeah. like one of the vhs segments and <laughs> innkeepers or uh you know the guest or mm-hmm. or something like that um and the invitation mm-hmm. <clears throat> and was like i want to make a movie like this yeah. i'm gonna go find the guy who makes these movies mm. right and that's purely conjecture yeah i'm i'm, I'm doing like what if Hollywood? Mm-hmm. I really don't know how they're connected, but right. as far as I know, they're not. Dave mm-hmm. Franco is not part of that mumblecore, mumblegore mm-hmm. uh, uh, group of filmmakers. Um, and it, it, it feels like, you know, there are moments where you get Dave Franco's voice in there and you know, Alison Brie's in there yeah. for that reason. But man, it's like a, it's like a pastiche of all the, <laughs> like the best moments from Mumblegore movies that don't work. Yeah. It's like not as stylized as your next. It's mm-hmm. not as creepy as creep. Mm-hmm. It's not as tense or, or, or action packed as say the guest mm-hmm. uh it's not as there's no metaphor like good night mommy right. or anything like that uh it's just if we're, you know on this podcast where we're talking about first time directors mm-hmm. and and how we feel about it it's I, I, for the longest time i didn't know dave franco was like our age oh he might really be a year older than <laughs> us but he seems so much like james franco's younger brother mm-hmm. that he seems like a younger guy i can see who, yeah like sought out joe swanberg and tried to make that type of movie there's the line at the beginning where they're doing the absbro lutely oh my god the bro, the i hated thing, that which is so 10 years too late yeah that was just oh like it's it was one thing for them to do the bro lines, but mm-hmm. when Alison Brie like tried hers and it was like abs bro lutely and they're yeah. like, Oh, you doing your I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, this that... is Dave Franco's shot. Yeah. At doing mumblecore. Yeah. And that that would that really just s- s- didn't sit well with me. <laughs> like it felt yeah. like that was one of those things that like you know, they needed a script instead of like Presumably, I don't know if that was like just something that they riffed or anything because of the whole mumblecore nature of it, or if that's something that survived drafts of a script (laughs) because it's not good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's a late uh 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 when he like tricks Mina 
It, they're, they're looking at the telescope. Yeah. And she tricks him. And then he does the same joke. And then he's like, you can't play out. You can't outplay the player. Yeah. Like, Man, what, did this sit on a shelf for 10 years or something? <laughs> this is that, like. That scene, now that you're saying, <laughs> now that you're saying it, that reminded me. That's like the, that's like the, the movie's answer to like the, um, the reply guy phenomenon on Twitter. <laughs> yes. It's just, it's, yes. it's redundant. It's just, it is. I, it just didn't work for me. And then, so we have, like I said, like the kind of dynamic, like it's, it's an interesting dynamic to have in the movie that they have these two couples. The, the men in the couples are brothers and one's married. One is kind of feeling insecure about his relationship because he feels that he's not worth her affection or anything like that. These are interesting character dynamics to play with. And I love the way that it kind of, kind of crosses them to where like you get something I appreciated about the script and, and, and the, the writing was that you get like insight into the, into the relationships and stuff through what I felt like was pretty organic uh, dialogue through these characters that are comfortable with each other and are mm-hmm. on opposite, like within the, in, in the opposite couples or, or in the different couples. Um, so I appreciated that, but then when you get to the point where it turns into a mumble gore movie, um, first of all, it just felt like every bit of, of violence in it, which we'll talk about in more detail, felt just very, just like lackluster. It just felt uninspired. Yes. And yes. I did not feel a, any type of tension. Like everything just, things happen off screen. That that mm-hmm. bu- bugged me, and then mm-hmm. the way it turned out just didn't didn't sit with me. Like we'll talk about that in spoilers, but like just the big mm-hmm. climax of the movie just kind of squandered all this goodwill from the character dynamics that I was kind of digging on. Yeah, yeah. So people die. So that's not a that's not a spoiler right. to say that some people die in this movie. Mm-hmm. There are kills. Yeah. And when I say kills, I mean kills in the in the in the sense that there were kills in eighties movies, eighties mm-hmm. horror movies, where the kills were the thing. Yeah. Right. Like you go to see these slasher movies, mm-hmm. splatter movies, to see the people die. And so there's a movie, uh, actually a pretty good slasher from the eighties, uh, called The Mutilator. Okay. Which was originally titled Fall Break. And it's basically these kids go to this like lake house or like a beach house, uh, and they're picked off one by one. And it's known for its special effects. I mean, okay. the, the, the story is paper thin and, mm-hmm. but they're just, they're just killed and stabbed and maimed and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you get, um, those moments that in the eighties people would, that's why they went to see those movies, just mm-hmm. to see the gore and how crazy it was. Yeah. So it, again, not to harp on this theory, but it's like Dave Franco saw Creep mm-hmm. and The Mutilator and was like, I got an idea for a movie. Yeah. It's really. And, did, and, and didn't do the best parts mm-hmm. of either of those movies. Yeah. He instead filled the, filled the void of the movie with just mumblecore stuff like like uh drinking buddies dynamics mm-hmm. and stuff and right. like it just didn't it didn't it wasn't cohesive enough um to make an engaging movie overall but it's interesting right. that you say that about 
the 80s slashers and like and that you brought up his age that you didn't realize that he was our age um like when the movie hits it's it's kind of uh kind of horror aspects late in the film i kept thinking like oh yeah well that's that's interesting like i thought that's right dave franco is our age and he likely came of age as a as a horror movie fan watching like 90 slashers that like scream was was uh with because like those like scares that like they they weren't it's not even that they were telegraphed too much it's just that they were too brief too quick and cut away way too fast to like there's some there's some pretty intense there's like maybe one or two pretty intense like uh like violence like that's on camera but for the most part it's like okay these characters that we've been following this whole time are in mortal danger but let's cut away to these other characters that are having a a a, a, an argument or they're trying to uncover something um Yeah. yeah and it just felt like the the plot itself like the the character reactions to certain things that we'll talk about in spoilers just felt so flimsy and like it just did not it did not track well for me at all um i think yeah. i think we need to turn the spoiler i think uh, so too keys, yeah if, you, if we could i think we've beat beat around the bush as much as we can yeah <laughs> and i feel like the spoiler section is gonna not gonna be too kind to this movie no um okay so we're gonna go into spoilers for the rental um i'm gonna go ahead and play a clip from the trailer um if you want to skip that i don't know if we'll do potpourri or not but check the show notes uh for the timestamps and everything but we're gonna go into spoilers after this clip from the trailer of the rental it'll be over soon i promise this will never be over This is not okay, Charlie, all right? Stop being so calm. Everything is fine. (sighs) Okay. So So I don't think it's... um, I think this movie commits all kinds of sins. But Mm -hmm. I will say, if it's trying to rip off... 80s horror movies and mm-hmm. i think it is i know you mentioned scream but i think yeah. it's do- especially in the latter half i think it's really doing a lot of the things that you saw from the 80s the stalk yeah. and kill and pick off one by one mm-hmm. thing without those good gore scenes yeah where they really had an opportunity to do that oh yeah they committed the mortal sin mm-hmm. of killing off your final girl first yeah i don't i don't know if he was just trying to like not play favorites because it's allison mm-hmm. Brie. Or what? Or but, it was a misdirect since Mina was well. I mean, to they kill all the up. the moral center of your yeah. movie as your first kill off screen. That oh boy, that pissed me off. Like it was just oh boy, it, it it did not track for me. And then like Dan Stevens's character's death, his his is pretty like it's ineffectual too. Like it's just very yep. brief and. Yep. Like, I was sitting there, I'm like, okay, there's only four characters, and, like, we just had two get killed off very unceremoniously, and we, the, the movie didn't seed who this person is, or who, or what this person is. Like, right. we thought for the longest time that it was, that it was, um, uh, Taylor that was stalking them, but it's someone else, and, like, I, I get it, like, okay, it's this, like, it's, we don't know who it is. Maybe it's it's presumably his brother. I guess maybe 
Um, right. Yeah. 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 But it's it's and it does the whole kind of the strangers thing, and it's like oh, it could be anyone, and at any time, which I'm fine. But yeah. <laughs> can we can we backtrack a little bit and talk about just how like. I'm not someone who likes to nitpick just plot and everything. Like one of like a tweet that I that I've been meaning or I've wanted to tweet, but I felt like oh, it's maybe just a little too I don't know uh, shitty. But like I wanted uh, like <laughs> I've I've thought of I've thought of this, and then I've also thought of you when I thought of this because it's a it's a play on like one of those just Twitter like memes that go around. But yeah. like yeah. yeah 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 yeah. But the tweet was gonna be something like um, I don't know who needs to hear this, but. <laughs> Um, oh, immediately yeah. I'm on, I'm like, yep. my blood's boiling. Yep. But the whole point of it was going to be, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you don't, if you don't follow the internal logic of a movie, that doesn't mean that it's filled with plot holes. That just means that you're not following the logic or you're not willing to like take on the logic of the movie, right. the interior logic. Right. And I say that because a lot of people kind of nitpick things like, oh, this, this detail didn't didn't mesh with this detail, even though it didn't really factor into the whole thing. But with the rental, <laughs> I don't understand. I could not grasp the the choices that were made. So they found cameras in the showers, and then there was a very a, a violent altercation in the shower in the view of the camera. So their decision is to. Uh, further incriminate themselves on camera by moving a dead body and disposing of it and then after that trying to find the source of where the cameras are like i i no i i just i was yeah. like that is just too too contrived um yeah right. so yeah did that lose you at all <laughs> um no because okay. I, I i mean i figured they had a day to mm-hmm. to to move the body and find the camera. I agree with you. They should mm-hmm. I mean logic says you find the camera first. Yeah. I'm I'm try I'm not trying to work too hard here to forgive that logic right. cuz I I see where you're coming from. Yeah. But I can understand <laughs> being so freaked out in the moment that you're like, mm-hmm. "All right, we got to figure out what to do with the body yeah. and then we'll we'll get rid of that." It's really funny you say that that they have a whole day <laughs> a whole day to find the source of the cameras and stuff because I think from my perspective, we're recording this July 15th. Uh, the tax extension was to de- like today was the deadline for taxes. I just filed my taxes yesterday. <laughs> oh my God. So, <laughs> so I think that may be part of why I just couldn't connect to that. Cause I'm just like, they're not going to find them, but also in a less jokey way, like they've already seen this door that has an electronic lock that has a keypad that there there's, it's very unlikely that they'll figure out the code. Like clearly that's the best case for where the source of like everything is. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just felt really, really kind of, kind of silly. Um, yeah. So in spoilers, by then, I think by then I was already, uh, not on the side of the movie. Okay. There's something about when, how do I put this? This is, this is a fresh idea. So forgive, mm-hmm. forgive my mumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgive it to the like core. You, <laughs> it's mumble. Well, yeah. <laughs> when you see an actress like Alison Brie, 
who has been on arguably some of the biggest show. I mean, mm-hmm. she was on Mad Men, which was the biggest show of its time, and yeah. then on Glow, which is another huge mm-hmm. show. I mean, she's she's a she's an A lister, yeah, right now a a minus lister. <laughs> um, and then Dave Franco, you expect a little more uh technique you mm-hmm. s- you expect a little more flair yeah um or you know with a movie like IFC and Joe Swanberg you expect with a little more style yeah. by the time that that he was dead mm-hmm. or that he they punched him out um i was already like man this feels so poorly made yeah. like a bl- a bad slasher from the 80s and i don't think it's an homage mm-hmm. i just think it's a they're trying to add another, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're trying to add their contribution to mm-hmm. 80s yeah. slasher movies 35 years too late. Yeah, I can definitely, like, I'm not as well versed in 80s horror as you are, obviously, but I can definitely see that. And, and to your point about the style and the lack of style in the movie, Something early on that I, I kind of clocked as something that was just, it just felt off, like, like, not in a good way, was like when they're driving to the house. And it's this weird thing where it's edited in a way that it shows the, it shows the car driving from behind, like standard, like, you know, we're, we're seeing them drive to the house. But then the frame is like they, they, um, superimpose or whatever on the frame, like, them traveling but from like like the camera moving from left to right so it's like it's 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 uh it's added on to the frame and it's like it's disorienting because we see the 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 um the car going like forward and then we see the camera moving uh left and or left and or left to right and like it's just oh i see yeah yeah and it feels like it like it felt like it was supposed to be like oh this disorienting kind of almost kubrickian kind of thing but it just felt so just lifeless and like uh very just generic like okay we're just gonna just tack this on to this to this frame so it's gonna seem all wacky and stuff and then maybe they didn't see it in the the edit bay when it was done because it just felt really weird just generic and underwritten Mm -hmm. um I, I almost made a comparison to Relic, but I, okay. I, I won't. I'll stop. Um, just wasted, wasted frames, wasted yeah. scenes. Um, that, that to me is what smacks of 80s slasher. Okay. Like they got to hit 89 minutes mm-hmm. for this to be feature length. Yeah. So we got to add a scene where they go hiking. Oh, yeah. Just for contrived dialogue. They need to get it. Like, you yeah. know, she's going on this big hiking trip. You got your water bottle. That's how excited she is. That's just so they could get that scene. The, the yeah. hiking had no thematic <laughs> value to the movie whatsoever, but to get them out of the house, yeah, and then to tell that story, yeah, and for them to for them in the house to find the cameras, right? And like we'll talk about that in a second. Why would I- she take another shower? She took a shower before bed, and then another shower, like when she woke up. Uh, you mean Mina? That's a lot of showers. Or Mina? Mina. Mina? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, when, when she took a shower before she, before she went to bed, I mean, she 
did other stuff in the shower. That's so true. she made I it mean, a little messy. Yeah, yeah, um, you're right. <laughs> but but to backtrack a little bit, the hike thing, like that, even felt like uh, a certain lack of payoff because they made this not necessarily a big deal about it. But they're like, oh yeah, it's a two hour hike, and then we're going to see this beautiful waterfall, and it's like. And then, like, the scene where they're hiking is just, like, they're talking in a just yeah, generic trail. they shot that in a backyard. Yeah. yeah that was just not yeah. interesting. Nope. And so, th- so the whole uh, infidelity thing, the the hookup scene and everything, that I was, I was in- interested in, in the, in- like, interpersonal drama as... Me too. Yeah. Me too. I, I, f- I thought it was compelling and mm-hmm. sexy, if yeah. I could oh, yeah. use that term. Yeah. Right. Um, also, it did feel kind of like I. I mean, maybe it's a credit to the story. Like maybe this is nitpicking because it's probably more in uh, line with with it being well done. Is that like I felt like okay, well that's that's almost too risky. Like I mean, their their significant others are in the same house, and like like one of them is the other sibling um, in the house. Like it's just it's too much. But yeah, also, but it's, never underestimate how stupid. Stupid yeah people can be yeah and that's why i say like it's probably you know a reflection of like okay their their connection is so strong that they're not going to like they're they're gonna let that steer their let their desire steer their actions um yeah but <laughs> like that i was into i i found that like you said i found that compelling as well but the fact that they use that as a reason not to call the police when they find the cameras like that just felt so contrived like they were like okay well they're gonna find we're gonna they're they're gonna find out the truth of what happened and everything it's like okay you call you report it like what is like okay is he going to i don't know i i don't know it just felt really just flimsy like there's so many variables to that that it's like it's such a leap to think like oh he'll he'll tell about he'll tell about us and it's like it's like less than twelve hours after. Like you don't even know if you've seen if he's seen the footage. Like what? Yeah. It's just it felt just way too contrived and uh, yeah, yeah, just plot, 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 plot. Like yeah. everything, n- nothing. Um, they didn't offer anything thematically. No. I, I mean, no, no dialogue mm-hmm. was you know gave uh context or richness to characters mm-hmm. we learned about who they are mm-hmm. so we would understand certain actions so yes. actions could be done to lead to other actions exactly and then when they start dying it's what? nothing this guy just kills people nothing yeah. there's nothing yeah. that has nothing to do with who they are mm-hmm. it's just a bad slasher movie again yep. and the, you know I love slasher movies right. and I love bad slasher movies. Mm-hmm. I can watch a lot of them if the kills are good. Yeah. And that's where we get back to where we started with the spoilers. Mm-hmm. Three, three, we see visually three hits to the head with a hammer. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's Did she just... accidentally, she accidentally walked off the cliff. Is that? Yeah. Oh my God! Is that how you she might died? say? Uh, you might say a girl walks off a cliff alone at night. <laughs> I respect. She's the character. She's yeah. she's the girl. Yeah. I I I haven't seen a girl walks home alone at night. Um, yeah. but yeah, I I get that reference. Nice. I compl- I Thank honestly, you. I watched this movie like six hours ago, and I forgot that that was how she died. Yeah, maybe. 
I, yeah. I, oh God, it just, yeah, it, it didn't do anything for me. Um, and to your point about, um, that like we're only told things about like we learn things about them just so they they will reflect other one other things or come into play later that is that is so indicative of just this weak character dynamic or weak character development like i liked the interpersonal drama like the the uh the infidelity and the kind of um the regret of that and the insecurity of of uh of josh and in his relationship and everything but it's like little things like oh yeah well you know um you know josh used to was in was in jail for a while and we hear that just because later on that's charlie's motivation not to call the police because he doesn't want his brother to go to prison and then like um uh the whole the whole revelation that charlie had overlapping relationships uh in his past so that it could be contrived so that, uh, so that Michelle would be mad at him when she came back from the hike. Like that yes. just, it's empty. It's empty characterization. Cause it doesn't really say anything like the most we learn about them, the most that's said about them or, or the most characterization we get is Josh's insecurity about his relationship with Mina. And I, I liked that, but when you have four characters and just weak, descriptions of their interactions and stuff like you kind of lean on the drama of what they're what they're doing but it's also totally. just yeah it just didn't it didn't work for me in the grand scheme of things it's not it doesn't work because like i said and like we've both said it mm-hmm. because it's all in service of this plot that goes nowhere yeah where the where the plot ends 45 minutes into the movie yeah 50 minutes into the movie to introduce this slasher mm-hmm. movie you can't you can't have your cake and eat it too he wants right. to make he wants to make this mumble gore movie mm-hmm. but you know when i think of the better ones house of the devil which is oh, yeah. not about this babysitter who's in a house it's about the fear of satanic panic mm-hmm. and you're next it's not about this girl the, whose family, like this family is trying to kill these people and this girl gets out. Mm-hmm. It's about class difference and this girl grew up a certain way. Uh, and the guest is about tension and creep mm-hmm. is about trust. And this movie is about nothing. Right. It's that it wants to be this, you know, when I think of the, the mumble core movies, mm-hmm. By the way, the, those two distinctions, mumble core and mumble gore, we've been throwing them around, but they're so, they're such a dorky, I, so dorky. I agree. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, when I think of, uh, the, the, the talky mumble core movies, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Jeff who lives at home, Celeste yeah. and Jesse forever, mm-hmm. drinking buddies, yeah. uh, uh, Merry Christmas, something Christmas. Oh, happy Christmas, I think. Happy Christmas. Yeah. Those, I don't, I don't love those movies. Yeah. But they're all like intentionally like slice of life Mm -hmm. dramas. And that's one of the reasons why I don't like like them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I guess it's like they're, they're just like, this is what it's like to be late twenties, early thirties. Here's a movie about it. You can't do that. You can't do that for an hour and yeah. then start killing them off mm-hmm. for no reason. Right. That's why he, 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 
Dave Franco, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how much Joe Swanberg had to do with this, but yeah. Dave Franco does not meant he does he it's like he wanted to make <laughs> I'm throwing just throwing the terms around. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make a mumble core mm-hmm. movie and a mumble gore movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like he dresses it up like the the mumble gore aspect of it, he dresses it up as like a kind of I mean, it, it's very much just uh, a riff on, like, The Strangers, like what happened in The Strangers. And the reason that right. The Strangers worked so well was because we had that tension between Scott Speedman and Liv Tyler. Like, we had a compelling, dramatic relationship story at the heart there. And the stuff we get in, in this movie, while I was into it, when it reached, like, a dramatic moment with Mina and Charlie it still also just felt too surface level too just too empty and 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 uh placeholder for to an extent um and it just it didn't work for me and then couple that with just an equally uninspired contrivance for horror and everything and this reliance on the mystery of the ambi- ambiguity of the guy like it just it didn't work for me at all um Yep. It just yep. felt, yep. Yep. yeah. Like while, while we were talking, I just lowered my rating on Letterboxd. Uh, half I know. Star. I was thinking of like, I didn't rate mine yet, but I was thinking of yeah. what mine would be. Yeah. And I kind of like, I, I think I, I think I added a half star at least to mm-hmm. Relic in yeah. talking about it with you. Yep. I think I'm going to take a full star off I this. might end I up doing just, that too. Um, I know. Part of me, part of me because. The, you know, in in context with the the volume of horror movies I I watched, right. anything that's like <laughs> filmed well and acted well, yeah, I it just immediately feels better than some movies that aren't. Yeah, but man, when it's this hollow, I, like at the end of the movie when he's like, the killer is like twisting the. Mm-hmm. The the uh the Shower smoke head. alarm back oh, on and yeah. pick, doing the different things. I'm like, I fucking get it. I yeah. get it. He's yeah. in it. You know what I mean? Like he gets the he gets the camera out of the out of the pot. And I'm yeah. like, Yes, okay. He gets the thing out of the shower. Okay. Yeah. He gets the speaker off the light switch. <laughs> okay, we we get it. Yeah. When it gets to him doing the smoke alarm, mm-hmm. I, I I think I literally said, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Nice. Right? And yep. then there's another eight minutes yeah. of him doing it. And you're like, I, I, I get it. I mm-hmm. get what the movie said already. Yep. You don't need to show me. You don't need to show me that any rental place you go to right. might have, you know. I get that. Which We get that. I'll say this. That I thought was like that. Those the the credit scene where we just see just innocuous footage of people in rental properties just you know having like just doing their thing. I was like, okay, I get like, like you said, I get it. It's very surface level. It's very yeah. just straightforward. But I'm like, okay, that's that's a compelling thing to leave us on because it's like, yeah, okay, you don't know anything about the place that you're staying. Like, sure, okay, I get it. But yeah. just I wish that the other. 87 minutes preceding it was uh like as uh interesting as that i guess um right. which is kind of a a really shitty thing to say about a movie like i wish that the i wish that the footage of people just enjoying their lives in a in a rental property uh in an airbnb thing is as was uh <laughs> like compelling as the or i 
I wish oh, that the yeah, rest but of the don't movie you think? Same. Don't you think that that's kind of like what we're trying to say, or 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 you know, about our conjecture about him wanting to make a certain kind of movie? Yeah, like he's showing these people at the end of the movie mm-hmm. having this slice of life, but yeah. there's always somebody watching, right? And yeah, he tried that's true. to make a slice of life movie, but it just yep. didn't work. It didn't blend. It really didn't. Yeah. It's a shame. Like I I like Dave Franco as as like just his uh uh what I know of him and everything, but this just didn't work for me. Um can I tell you something that's very embarrassing about something that I thought was going to play out in the movie because I saw the uh cast on IMDb Sure. Okay. So the guy who plays the killer is Anthony uh, Molinari, and he's credited on IMDb as Old Charlie, and Dan Stevens' character is named Charlie. (laughs) I saw that too. Yeah, for the longest time. I I, I was trying to push that out of my mind because I thought, like, oh, we're going to get, like... Like, I was like, oh, we're going to get, like, a a flash-forward scene with Charlie, like, thinking back. And then I started thinking, like, wait, is this, like, a secret time travel movie (laughs) where he's killing his friends? Um, Yeah, and then, obviously, none of that paid off at all. Me, too. I thought that until the end. Nice. I'm glad that I wasn't crazy. Um, I'll say, uh, not that I thought it the whole time, but it definitely, like... At the end, I looked at the credits and I was like, "Old Charlie." Mm-hmm. And when he's like checking into the next, yeah, place, I was like, "This movie has to go somewhere deeper." Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait a second. Yep. No, it doesn't. Nope. Nope. And it's intentionally like obscuring his face the whole time. And I'm like, "Oh, we're gonna get like it's," and like I was preparing myself to be like, like I was going to like I was prepa- like I was uh thinking in my head of a future conversation with you where i would be like what the fuck did that mean <laughs> like why was dan yeah. stevens that and like it just yeah. like it didn't get to that which no. i don't know no but, it's not that yeah um but i think that it probably speaks to the um energy of the movie itself and our feelings about the movie itself that we went to that extreme in our guessing um because there's really nothing else Hoping. to the movie. Yeah. Hoping no, for something exactly. that would recontextualize the rest of the movie to make up for just a bland 82 minutes of a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like I did, uh, we both did with Relic. I mm. wish I could give some kind of final statement on this movie, but, yeah. um, I, I, you know, my expectations were middling. I mean, I, mm-hmm. a couple of, you know, an actor, a couple of actors whose work I like, uh, I kind of yeah. wanted the best, but man, when I, when I felt early on that this was going to be like two types of movies smushed together mm-hmm. before the end of it, I was getting ready to say, I don't, I wonder if there's some connection with Dave Franco and Joe Swanberg. Yeah. Cause if there's not, it's like he enlisted a guy to help him make the type of movie right. that he saw. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's an empty kind of hollow movie to me and it just it didn't connect with me um except for yep. the uh dramatic stuff but even that was surface level kind of latching on to a dramatic plotline um totally yeah uh so should we wrap up um wrap it up yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so uh, yeah, that's our review of the rental. Um, want to skip potpourri because it's kind of late on yeah. my end. Yeah, we had we had kind of a longer. We did. Intro. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Um, check out, uh, you know, Relic and The Rental and let us know what you thought. And uh, I will, I have a review of Relic on Obsessive Viewer. I'll put a link in the show notes. I should also have a review of The Rental up um, by the time this, air, this airs. I'll put a link there too. Um, yeah. So that'll do it for this episode. Mike, do you want to tell the audience uh, where they can find you and uh um plug your music and everything sure yeah nothing new um still uh at i am mike white still plugging away at music uh probably the most active thing right now is uh my youtube channel if you search uh youtube.com anything as good as it gets is the name of my band uh all our music is everywhere you listen to music um with COVID, we haven't really been able to play out much, and we live in separate places, mm-hmm. so we have kind of been quarantining from each other, uh, and we're actually we're in the middle of working on a record, but have not nice. been able to finish it because uh, we don't feel safe being in the same room. Yeah. Well, that's the smart way to play it, so... Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to whenever that comes out and everything. And uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, buddy. And yeah, I can't wait to get my hands on the Friday the 13th set and <laughs> geek out with you about it. Yeah, um, baby. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. I don't know what's coming next time on the podcast. I think maybe Kirsten and I might be talking about Hamilton, maybe. Um, and uh, I might try to get her to watch um, oh god what's the uh, Palm Springs on Hulu because I'm very excited about oh, that yeah, movie nice. yeah All so right. we'll see but check out my other shows Tower Junkies and Anthology I'm reviewing the new season of The Twilight Zone all that's in the pre-recorded outro uh, yeah it's past my bedtime so <laughs> thank you guys for listening Ooh. and uh, yeah we'll see you next time thanks guys And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. I hate, I don't, I, I, I love giving recommendations mm-hmm. to like, to, to my people I know yeah. love recommendations. You know what I mean? Like, I'll have students that are like, all right, what do you got for me today? Mm-hmm. Or just friends who listen on the regular. But like... Like random people and people I know don't listen to music a lot. I'm right. always like, like my brother, mm-hmm. who's my best friend in the whole world. Mm-hmm. I don't like giving him music recommendations because he like, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll listen to it. Yeah, he he literally said to me the other day, he's like, you like music too much. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? The Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to obsessiveviewer.com slash ovarchive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer and at obsessivetiny. And follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White, that's me, at R.A. Fekis and at Burger underscore Lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. 
or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at teepublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty!